Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. This is Primal Potential, and I am your host, Elizabeth Benton. Through education, motivation, and implementation, we will bridge the gap between knowing and doing so we can master fat loss naturally and help you reach your highest potential. Let's get started. Hey, everybody, welcome back to The Random Show. I call these episodes The Random Show because they are random. I am answering a very wide variety of listener questions from the past several days. But before we do that, I have a question for you. Because my goal with this show is is to give you what you need. My goal with this show is not to make money. I hope everybody knows that I make absolutely nothing for doing this. I spend a, a lot of my time doing three shows a week in the show notes and answering questions. And I don't I don't have sponsors. I don't do anything like that. My goal with this is to help people avoid some of the struggles that I had, overcome some of the issues that I had that robbed me of my enjoyment of life. And so my only goal with this show is to give you, you, what you need to reach your goals. Whatever that is, whether that's information, motivation, education, whatever, support, I want to give you what you need. And one of the segments I added a few months back was the what I ate yesterday segment. And I think for some people, it's been confusing. For some people, it's been very helpful and it's given them some ideas. Um, but I've gotten, I've gotten a lot, mostly good feedback from that. And I wanted to know if as a part of that segment, you guys would find value in me including my workouts. Uh, when I do what I ate, because sometimes I think there's a lot of context in that. If it seems like I didn't eat a lot, oftentimes that's because I didn't work out at all. Maybe I was behind my desk all day. I was completely sedentary versus on days where it seems like I ate a lot more, I might have been much more active. So I would love to know from you guys if that would be a valuable segment or if you don't give a damn. And either way, I'm totally cool with that. I would just love to know what would be helpful. And honestly, kind of along those lines, what, if anything, would make this show more helpful for you? What would help you, short of me like showing up in your kitchen and cooking your meals, which, you know, everything has a price, but uh, what would make this more valuable to you? What can I do? What segment, what topics, what anything at all can I do to make this show help you get what you need so that you can be consistent, so that you can take the steps that you need to take towards your goal, whatever that is, whether that is weight loss, whether that is fitness, whether that is just a healthier, more balanced, more effortless relationship with food, please let me know. Email me directly because this, I see this as your show. The goal of this is not because like I don't have anything to do and I really love sitting behind a mic and chatting and coming up with topics. No, no, no. Genuinely, I do this because I don't want anybody on the planet to have the struggle with food obsession, hormone imbalance, and yo-yo dieting like I did. So please, whatever it is that you think would make this more valuable for you, please email me and tell me. So let's dive into the listener questions from this week. And the first one, and these are all paraphrased, uh, so bear with me on that one. The first one was about MCT oil and acne. I got an email from someone who switched from putting coconut oil in her coffee to putting pure MCT oil in her coffee. And she said that while she felt great, 
she noticed acne, and she hadn't had acne before, but the only change she made was switching from coconut oil to MCT oil, and she experienced acne, and she was wondering if there was any link between MCT oil and acne. And obviously, both coconut oil and MCT oil are fats, right? And sometimes we, we can uh, generate acne when we have an excess of oil in our skin. However, because we're switching from one oil to another, I don't think this has anything to do with oily skin or not oily skin. I do think there, there could be a link though, and there is no direct link that I know of between MCT oil in particular and acne, but there are antibacterial benefits to coconut oil. So coconut naturally contains antibacterial elements. So while the MCT oil might, be, might not be generating acne, the removal of the antibacterial component of the coconut oil, because she stopped using coconut oil and switched to just pure MCTs, which is not coconut oil, it's the type of fat found predominantly in coconut oil. So you don't get those antibacterial elements. So she had an antibacterial component to her day and she's taken that out. So the acne might be a bacterial thing because of the removal of the antibacterial elements of coconut. Now, that might just be her situation. And the only way to really tell here is switch back to the coconut oil and see if the acne resolves. Now, here's the thing to remember in terms of, oh man, I really wanted to use MCT oil. 80% of the fat in coconut oil is MCTs, medium chain triglycerides. So it's not a big deal from the MCT perspective to use coconut oil versus MCT oil if you are getting additional benefits from the coconut oil. Now, if you're sitting here wondering, what the hell is MCT oil? What is all this talk about oil in your coffee? Welcome to the show. I have talked about this a handful of times and I am going to link to the segments on MCT oil and Bulletproof Coffee and all of the do's and don'ts there in the show notes over on primalpotential.com. So if you are curious about what MCTs are or why they are good or what this oil in the coffee stuff is all about, just head over to the show notes page on primalpotential.com and you will see the links to the previous episodes or you can go to primalpotential.com and search Bulletproof and you'll find everything you need to know. This next one that I wanted to share with you guys is not a question, but it's a comment that I got on Instagram that I, I want to bring your attention to, and I'm going to toss in my thoughts, but before I do that, I want you guys to be thinking of your reaction to this, because if you're regular listeners to the show, I think you'll have the same reaction that I did. So I got this, quest, this comment on a picture that I posted on Instagram from a woman who said, I just can't seem to get out of my own way. I've never failed so miserably as I have this past year. Total quitter. Just don't know why I'm having so much trouble staying with things this time around. What do you guys think about that? I just can't seem to get out of my own way. I've never failed so miserably as I have in this past year. Total quitter. Just don't know why I'm having so much trouble staying with things this time around. I know why. I know exactly why. And I think if you guys have been listening, this really stands out to you. What she's done, and this to her writing this to me on Instagram, I guarantee isn't the first time she's had these thoughts. She's probably been thinking and saying these things to herself and other people for a while, right? She has just dangerously defined herself and instructed her subconscious with, I can't get out of my own way. 
I am failing miserably. I am a quitter. I am having so much trouble staying with things. Boom, there you go. You're exactly right. Remember, guys, when you argue for your limitations, you get to keep them. And I'm imagining you guys like right here in front of me nodding and kind of finishing that phrase. When you argue for your limitations, you get to keep them. And you, everything you think and say is an instruction to your subconscious. And 90% or more of your decisions are made on the subconscious level. That's why we multitask, quote unquote, so well. Because most of the decisions are made on the subconscious level. And when you say those things, guess what? You live them into being. You live them into being. So one of the quotes that I posted on Instagram the other day, I'm going to pull it up right now, actually. Bear with me for just one second while I pull up this quote because I think that this is really um, applicable. But it basically says, if you want to know where you will be, here we go. If you want to know what your body will look like in the future, look at your thoughts right now. If you want to know what your body will look like in the future, look at your thoughts right now. So in this case, I just can't seem to get out of my own way. I am failing miserably. I'm a total quitter. If you want to know where your body will be a year from now, look at your thoughts right now. Yikes! Time to change course, right? And I'm not blaming. Dude, I've done this. This is not criticism or judgment. This is me saying, ding, ding, ding. Be really careful. When you argue for your limitations, you get to keep them. If you want to change your body, change your mind. If you want to change your body, change your mind. All right, next question. This one... This one made me smile. It was an email from somebody that said, literally verbatim, can you explain why coffee is bad? <laughs> and I smiled and I was like, blasphemy. Coffee is not bad. <laughs> I love coffee. And I know exactly what she means, but coffee is rich in antioxidants, right? Uh, it, that's a great thing because antioxidants protect your cells from free radicals. Free radicals can kill off cells. They can cause mutations in cells. And so coffee is a powerful antioxidant. However, the reason that there's a lot of buzz about coffee being quote unquote bad is because of toxins, right? And there are toxins in everything. But here's the deal. When there are toxins naturally in something, people can make a ton of money. Let's just think about this for a second. When there are toxins in something, there is an opportunity for somebody to make a lot of money going, hey, there are toxins in this and I've created a version that doesn't have toxins and so this is what you should buy and everybody's like, ah, toxins, let me buy X. So coffee is this super, super, super crowded marketplace, right? Well, these special people are standing out now because they're saying, did you know that there's these dangerous, scary toxins that are gonna eat your brain in coffee and my coffee doesn't have these toxins? Now, Here's the, here's somewhere in the middle lies the truth. Are there toxins in coffee? Yup, absolutely. There are molds that grow on coffee beans and some coffees have more and some coffees have less. And people on the far side of the, of the aisle here that say, that sell coffee that has been tested to have this mold, but at quote unquote safe levels, they say there's mold in everything. There's toxins in everything and the levels are so negligible and you could test every food on the planet and you're going to find some pesticide, some mold, some toxin, some something. Yeah, totally true. And this is a dose dependent issue. So if you drink coffee every once in a while, meh, probably not a big deal. If you are a regular coffee drinker, you might want to think about it. But the reality is, yes, there are toxins 
in coffee, primarily from molds that naturally grow on coffee beans. And there are some beans that are really well produced and have lower levels of these toxins. And there are beans that aren't so well produced and have higher levels. These toxins are tested for, and there are quote unquote safe and acceptable thresholds. But I mean, you know, it just depends on how closely you want to test it. Like what is a safe and acceptable level of mold in your body, right? I mean, if there is an option to buy a product that has less mold, fewer toxins, then if you're a regular coffee drinker, that's probably the way you want to go, right? The other thing is decaf coffee tends to be higher in these mycotoxins because the caffeine in coffee helps to kill or neutralize the toxins, right? So are there coffees that are higher in toxins? Yep. Are there coffees that are lower in toxins? Yep. Are you going to eat toxins all the time. Yes, absolutely. It's about making the best choice you can. I am a big coffee drinker, so I try to focus on higher quality coffees, and I've posted uh, what coffee I buy, and again, that's going to be linked in the show notes to the episodes that I've done on Bulletproof Coffee and what I buy, and I, I do try to focus on quality there, but it's relative to the amount of coffee I drink. I drink coffee every single day, and I drink a lot of coffee every single day. So I'm going to be more careful there. Um, it's, it's really the same with like organic versus non-organic. Are there toxins? Yes. Do you want to control your exposure when you can? Is there a way to completely minimize and eliminate your exposure? No, probably not really. The other thing to keep in mind is if you're going to go bananas over avoiding toxins in your coffee, but then you're going to pour toxins into it, into your pure coffee in like uh, coffee mate creamer or some artificial sweetener. You know, you got to kind of be open-minded about the whole thing. There are toxins in everything and what can we do to move along the spectrum towards better choices? So again, uh, for all the details on coffee quality and the mycotoxins, check out the show notes for, link, for uh, links to episodes I've done before on that. So a couple of episodes ago, I started the show by saying that somebody had emailed me about chewing their food and spitting it out, and I couldn't return their email because it bounced back, and I wanted that individual to get back in touch with me, which she did, and I was super, super happy about that. Um, so thanks for giving me that space to reach out to one singular person. But what happened was I actually got a lot of emails back saying, uh, chewing your food and spitting it out. I kind of do that too. Could you talk about that? Is that an eating disorder? What should I do? Here's the deal. And, and I'm talking in this case about not swallowing your food. So you want, say, a cupcake. So you put it in your mouth, you chew it, you experience the flavor in your mouth, and then you spit it out. Um, is it an eating disorder? I'm going to be really, this is, uh, listen, I am not a medical doctor. I am not a diagnostician that's going to, you know, have all of the clinical diagnostic criteria for eating disorder. So that's not where I'm coming from here. From my perspective, though, I don't see a point in defining it as an eating disorder or not an eating disorder, because ultimately it's either a behavior that you feel is healthy and want to continue or you think is not healthy and you don't want to want to continue it. And the reality is this. If you're emailing me about it, chances are it's something that you know you probably shouldn't be doing, right? And you have to ask yourself, is this something I want to continue doing forever? Is this a lifelong habit? Is this something I would want to teach my children to do? Does this represent a healthy, balanced relationship with food? Does this represent caring for my body and eating foods I love that love me back, right? Because if you're eating foods you love that love you back, then you want to give your body that nutrition, right? Does that make sense? 
the act of putting something in your mouth and chewing it and spitting it out, it represents a lack of trust in your ability to make good choices. Because you know what? If I see something that I'm like, oh my God, that looks amazing. I need to taste it. Guess what? I should do that and I should enjoy the hell out of it without any guilt. And, and here's the other thing. Uh, and I'll be quite honest with you. I have done this before. I have done this before. I remember one specific instance where uh, a neighbor brought over a box of Christmas cookies and I just was curious. Like I wanted to know if they were any good. They were homemade. I wanted to know if they were any good or they weren't any good. And, and, I, and I chewed it and I was like, eh, it's all right. And I spit it out. Is that like a normal, healthy behavior? No, I think most of us would agree that it's not. But have I done it before? Yes, I have done it before. I've, I've also made myself throw up. I have restricted my food intake to almost nothing. I've done all sorts of crazy stuff. So I'm not saying like, because I've done it, it's cool. No, no, no. Please do not use me as a model for those sorts of things. I've done some extreme and messed up stuff. But the reality is this. We want to have a healthy, balanced relationship with food because if you achieve weight loss, but you do not have a healthy, balanced relationship with food, you are going to have an ongoing struggle with your body and with food. And we want to, yes, feel great about our bodies. We want to achieve our weight loss goals. But we also want to have a healthy, balanced relationship with food. So I, you know, is this as extreme or as dangerous as purging? I mean, it's hard to say. Probably not, but the reality is it's a slippery slope and anything that represents, whether it's binging, whether it's purging, whether it's chewing and spitting your food, anything that represents an unhealthy, unbalanced relationship with food is something that we want to pay attention to and something that we want to not look away from, something that we want to work on improvement. And I will say, some people are going to need some professional help with this, and that's okay. Listen, there is nothing in the world wrong with saying, you know what, I'm going to seek out an expert to help me with this. I am going to seek, and I'm not that person. I, I am not a specialist in eating disorder, so this is not like a commercial at all. But there is nothing wrong. I can't tell you how many freaking therapists and counselors and whatever I have had. Whew, they've made a lot of money off of me. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. So if you feel like, this isn't something I want to continue and I'm just not sure how to take steps to improve this on my own. Ask for help. Find somebody who can help you. And then realize in all things that we want to improve, we do not need to do a 180. We do not need to go from chewing and spitting out our food 50 times a day to nothing, right? If you are doing this, say, let's just say you're doing it with two items a day right now, then maybe you say that one day a week, you're going to do it with one item, right? There's always a way to identify what represents a gradual improvement for you. Sometimes it feels daunting and we do nothing because we feel like we have to do everything and we don't can't do everything. We're not equipped. We're not ready to do everything right away. And so we do nothing. The desire to fix everything right away paralyzes us and we end up doing nothing. And that's no way to live either. So identify what represents a small gradual improvement for you and do that. And if you can't do it on your own, that's okay. It's okay. Get help. And if you don't know how to get help, email me and I will find a way to help you get connected with somebody who can help you. Got a couple emails this week related to morning workouts 
and going into a morning workout fasted, so not having eaten yet, and what I think about that. And here's the reality. What is most important is that you have as much to give in your workout as possible. So if going into a workout fasted means that you don't have as much energy, then you're not going to get the kind of benefits that you would get from the workout if you ate a little something and went in with more to give, because workouts are all about stimulus response. The greater the stimulus, the better the response, the greater the response from your body. So what I mean by that is the more you can give in your workout, the higher the intensity that you can bring into the workout, the more benefit you're going to get from it. So if going in fasted means that you don't have as much intensity, then that's probably not the best plan. For me and for many people, I can go into most workouts fasted and it doesn't impact my intensity level in so long as I ate enough the day before. So one of the factors that impacts our ability to bring full intensity to a workout is our muscle glycogen stores. So glycogen is the storage form of carbohydrate in the muscle. And we tend to think, some people will be like, oh, I need to carb up for a workout. And they're saying that because they want to make sure that that muscle glycogen is fully replenished. But here's the deal. That doesn't have to happen immediately pre-workout. So if you have carbohydrates for dinner, chances are you have some muscle glycogen reserves, so long as you're not just eating only what your body needs for that moment. If you're having like a good average meal and you're not active after dinner, that evening carbohydrate restores some of that muscle glycogen. So that pre-workout carbohydrate for me can often come the night before, right? So I don't need to eat before my workout. But here's the thing. Not every day is the same. So some days I'll wake up hungry and I'll know, and I've talked about this on the podcast, I'll know I need to fuel up a little bit if I want to be able to bring my full effort to this workout. And everybody's metabolism is different too. For individuals with a faster metabolism, they are much more likely to have to eat something before a workout because they just need that fuel. So you really have to pay attention to what allows you to bring the highest level of intensity and endurance to your workout. And keep in mind that pre-workout nutrition doesn't have to be immediately pre-workout. If you're a morning exerciser, then your pre-workout nutrition can in part come from your evening meal the day before. All right. Uh, last question I want to hit up on today is what do I think, this uh, or a listener wrote in to me and wanted to know what I think is the ideal length of an overnight fast. So when we are fasting, that is really the period from our last meal on one day to our first meal the next day. And here's the quick and dirty answer to this. And I've done an entire episode on intermittent fasting that I will link to in the show notes. But here's the quick and dirty answer. The ideal length of a fast is whatever makes you feel the best. Honestly, your body has all the answers. I know I say that all the time, right? But there is no magic number of hours that makes it better or worse than fat loss. Because here's the thing. Some people, when they try to extend their overnight fast through the morning, they get so hyper-focused on food. Like if they say, I'm going to intermittently fast and I'm not going to eat until noon. And they get so hyper-focused on food. Oh my God, is it noon? I'm starving. What can I eat? And then noon comes around and between then and the end of the day, they overcompensate. So trying to extend the fast for those individuals is just straight up counterproductive, right? Other people, maybe they don't overcompensate, but they are miserable. They have low energy. They have no focus. They're grumpy pants, right? Please, for the you know love of everybody around you, if you are one of those people and it just doesn't make you feel good, you wake up and you know you need to eat, 
that's great. The, the ideal length of your fast is until you wake up in the morning when you're ready to eat. Other people feel amazing with that extended fast. They have tons of energy. They just feel better. They're not hungry in the morning. Great. That is your answer. Do what works for you. And honestly, what works one day, this is just like the pre-workout question, what works one day might not work another. Some days I can do a 16-hour fast like no big deal. Other days I wake up and I'm ready to like eat the walls. And you have to listen to your body and don't get hung up on some magical number. There is no magical number 12 hours, 14 hours, 16 hours, bull. Whatever your body responds best to. If you are overcompensating and overeating after an intermittent fast, don't do that anymore. If you're miserable and you can't focus and you have no energy, don't do that anymore. If you feel amazing and you're getting results, congratulations, keep going. And like I said, I've done a previous post on intermittent fasting that I will link to in the show notes for this episode along with the, all the stuff on Bulletproof Coffee and stuff like that, so definitely check that out. To wrap up with what I ate yesterday, it was another, interestingly, uh, because I'm kind of all over the place right now, it was another intermittent fasting day for me from about 7 p.m. to noon the next day. I was intermittently fasting. Then I had chicken breast, which is not my favorite. I'm not a fan of chicken breast, but I had walked to a grocery store and picked some up. So I had that, and I had it with about four cups of shredded cabbage, raw shredded cabbage, like legit, two big plates of it. Um, that I mixed with some feta cheese. And then I know I keep saying I need to eat less of the hormone-free Greek yogurt. I do. And I, I will-ish. It's, it's on my radar. I haven't executed it yet, but it's going to happen. So I had some hormone-free Greek yogurt. I need to dial back on it. And I say that not because there's anything wrong with Greek yogurt, but because it doesn't love me back. It just doesn't make me feel my best. I think it triggers hunger and it definitely triggers some bloating. So it's just not a good choice for me, but it tastes so freaking good. I gotta, I gotta make some improvements there to stay tuned on that one. And then uh, dinner was filet mignon and broccoli. And I'm not a big broccoli fan, but it was like charred and I love things that are charred like that. And so this kind of, if I could have broccoli like this, I would be a broccoli fan. But that is what I ate yesterday. Keep in mind what I said at the top of the show. Please let me know what I can do to make this show more helpful for you. If that's a topic, if it's a segment, if it's a guest, if it's whatever, I want this to be what you need to get where you want to go. So we'll be back in a couple of days with another episode and I hope to hear from you in the meantime. Have a great day. Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big money at Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.